Who's ready for stocking stuffers? This is Industry Focus. Hi, everyone. I'm Christine Hargis, your host of Industry Focus Healthcare Edition. It's December 23rd, and I am joined on Skype by Motley Fool contributor Todd Campbell. Todd, it's a pleasure as always to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Oh, glad to be here, especially talking about stuffing of stock. I'm, I'm doing my last minute shopping as uh, right after we finish recording. Yeah, so this is quite timely. Uh, so in light of the holiday season, and also just because here at The Motley Fool, we love a good pun, today's theme, if you picked up on it, is stocking stuffers. So uh, stocking stuffers generally are more uh, inexpensive little gifts that you put in the stockings. And you know they're supposed to be pretty cheap. So Todd and I decided on this theme, and we were like, okay, well, what sort of companies should we consider here? So I did a poll on Capital IQ. Um, trying to find companies that were less than a uh, share price of $5. And I came up with this list. I refined it a little bit because I didn't want any of these tiny little market cap stocks. So I did 250000 or above in market cap. And we're looking at this list and we're like, this is kind of all coal. <laughs> um, did anything stand out to you, Todd, in that list of the worst of the worst of that heap of price under $5 stocks? Yeah, I think that you know you and I were we're both looking at it, going, um, yeah, I think that I would rather get coal than any of these in my stocking. <laughs> at least coal's not going to go down in value, hopefully. Right, exactly. I can always <laughs> burn it if I need to. Um, <laughs> Just to stay warm and put some light back in your life after all the, the losses on the rest of these stocks. Right. I, you know, I, I think that this is something that's really important to hammer home. We've we've talked about it before in the show. You know, usually stocks get down on a price basis to these low, quote unquote, cheap levels. And people think that they're cheap. They're really not. Um, Oftentimes, you know, stocks have low stock prices for a reason. And, you know, without a doubt, when we were looking through this list and seeing names like, you know, Mankind um, was jumped out. Uh, These are troubled companies that, that, um, you know, I don't think that I would recommend anyone wrapping and sticking uh, under the tree or in the stocking this year. Yeah, Mankind's trading for about $1.50 a share right now. This is a company that we've covered before, and they only continue to have more and more problems. I mean, so the backstory on them is that they developed an inhaled insulin called Afreza, which sounded really promising, ended up not being so promising due to a number of different problems. And the story kind of only gets worse from there. Yeah, the, the, the drug had a, a circuitous path through the FDA, um, finally received approval last year, uh, went on the market in February. Um, there's a licensing deal with Sanofi, and Sanofi is the one who's out there uh, repping it. A lot of people had high hopes for that deal because Sanofi uh, also markets the top-selling uh, diabetes drug Lantus. So far, though, it just hasn't happened. You know, it, million in sales through, you know, two and a half quarters. And this is Uh, a drug that was supposed to be a blockbuster, meaning a billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, the concept was was pretty darn good. Um, You know, allow people to no longer have to rely on injecting themselves, which is something that, you know, obviously makes some people wince, uh, and instead be able to deliver the insulin via an inhaler that works a lot like um, an asthma inhaler. Um, there were some advantages that Afresa has, including a fast onset uh, of action. Um, but, 
you know, when push came to shove, uh, doctors found so far have found it um, too onerous to to try and you know convince insurers to pay for it and be able to you know I guess adhere to some of the things on the label such as you know the regular uh, lung function tests and you know until it's 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 sad it's a sad situation because it's it's one of those things where the the drug looks really good. Um, but it shows you that, you know, you can have a really interesting drug and it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a market for it. And I, I think in this case, um, it, you know, they've spent tons of money in bringing this to the market and now trying to get it in front of people. Um, and that cash is starting to run out. And, you know, you just got to wonder how long this company is going to remain around in its current form. Yeah, I mean, the CEO recently departed. Sanofi has the option to back out, and they very well might do that pretty pretty soon. Well, they, you know, Sanofi, they have a, they're owed a lot of money by mankind. Mankind's supposed to be eating up some form of a portion of the losses, and mankind doesn't have the money to, to pay Sanofi for those losses. So they've basically just been banking them, I and, you know, it's basically like a loan that they're supposed to be paying interest on. At some point, you know, the company may look at it and say, Either we're going to let mankind go solve it, and we're just going to take all of their assets, uh, which have been pledged as collateral, um, or we're just going to wash our hands of the whole thing and walk away. So, yeah, that's a, that's a coal stock for 2016, not one that I would want to get underneath uh, the tree. I agree. Another one that I think we would both consider coal uh, would be PDL Biopharma, which right now is trading for $3.83 a share. So, again, you say, like, oh, my gosh, that looks cheap. And what stands out about them is that they pay a 16.5% dividend yield, which is the highest in healthcare and really just an insane number. So at first glance, you might see that and say, wow, like this is a hidden gem right here. Well, back in the late 90s and early 00s, when I was uh, really uh, involved in the sell side and doing some other things, I remember everybody was just, PDL was the thing because they had this fantastic technology, monoclonal, monoclonal antibody uh, patents that were going to revolutionize how we treat uh, various conditions. That indeed has happened. The problem is that patents only last a certain amount of time. And PDLI, basically what they did is they licensed these patents out to people like Roche. Roche uh, made billions and billions of dollars off of this paid a royalty back to PDLI. However, now those patents are expiring. They actually have expired, and they're just rolling through whatever's left over in inventory. Um, and that means that the revenue that has been coming in from these royalty streams is going to start drying up. And I think that investors have to recognize that, you know, when you see a stock that's trading at three bucks, four bucks, that has a high dividend yield, there's probably a good likelihood that that dividend yield is not sustainable. So what looks like it might be cheap clearly is not actually a good deal. And that really is the heart of it, is when you're looking for a stock that's a bargain stock, you don't want to just look at just share price. I mean, it's almost like if you're looking to stuff your kids' stockings and you go to the dollar store and you buy a bunch of stuff for $1 that's really worth something well under that. The flip side of that, like an actual good bargain, I'm thinking maybe like Black Friday sales or something like that. Like you go out and you buy, you pay $500 for a TV that's worth 2000 and that's not going to fit in a stocking. But still, two very different types of cheap that we're talking about here. So, Todd, what makes something a good bargain if it's not just low share price? 
I think that, you know, people have to look at it and say, you, I love the way you just summed that up, by the way. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Black Friday sale and you've just bought something for 25% of the price. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, it's going to last a long time. You're just getting a great deal on it. That's a fantastic uh, uh, way of looking at it. And I think that people need to approach the stock market the same way. You know, if a stock gets down to five bucks, there's probably a reason that people, other people don't want to own it. What you need to look at is you need to say, okay, what is the company's current product demand? Are they raking in sales? Are their sales growing? What's their profitability? Are, is their profitability growing? Are their earnings growing, right? And then you have to say, okay, well, what's, what do I think the future looks like for this company? Will demand continue? So you're, you're considering a few different things. And, you know, when you start looking at cheap that way, you start saying, okay, well, what can I buy uh, as far as companies out there that are growing and doing well and not have to pay a lot of, of money on uh, in terms of, we'll call it price to earnings ratio. Okay, how much the share is divided by the earnings per share that's expected, uh, we'll, we'll use forward earnings. And yeah, this, when you start looking at it that way, you find plenty of bargains that you can throw in the stockings. Yeah, this uh, forward PE metric is a really handy way of saying, oh, wow, this stock is a bargain. And of course, there's more to it. You want to really dive in and do your research. Um, seems like a good time to throw it out there that, as always, people in the program may have interest in the stocks that we're talking about. Motley Fool could have formal recommendations for or against them. So do the research. Don't buy or sell just based on what you hear today. Um, and in doing that research, definitely check out the forward P.E. ratio. Um, so we're looking at, in this episode at 2016 earnings and the multiple that a couple of stocks are trading at for 2016 expectations. One that stood out to us and this is really no surprise. We talk about this company all the time. Gilead Sciences trading for 8.66 times its 2016 earnings expectations. That's pretty cheap. But why? Why is that number so low? This is stock that you could argue is mispriced because people have continuously uh, bet against it for the last year um, by thinking that competitors would come out and launch drugs that will challenge its leadership in the hepatitis C indication, and that that money would therefore disappear from Gilead's uh, revenue and profit stream, head to these other competitors. That has not happened. Um, Vicarapac was a drug that was approved by Abby that launched in January. Uh, sure, you know it's going to do a couple billion in sales, but last quarter alone. Uh, Gilead Sciences, two hepatitis C drugs, were on a pace to deliver more than, I think, the annualized rate, almost $20 billion annualized uh, exiting Q3. So, yes, there's competition, and we have to be aware of that competition, and there's some new competition coming. Uh, Merck and Company has a PDUFA date coming up, an FDA decision date coming up early next year. But Few companies have been able to um, do a better job at insulating their market share against competition than Gilead. They've done it for years in HIV. They're already starting to, to demonstrate that they're having similar success here in hepatitis C. You've got a cheap company on forward price to earnings because people don't think they can continue to, to deliver the revenue and earnings that they have been delivering. Um, and I think that that might be creating um, uh, an, an undervaluation that investors can take advantage of. Yeah, I think as soon as Gilead can finally prove 
that they can overcome these competitive threats, which they have already shown time and time again that they can. But there remains this doubt in the market. And so as soon as people start to have faith in Gilead, which I certainly think is coming down the pike, um, that's when you should see, hopefully, the stock appreciate and become a great buy if you get in now. You know, you look at it and you say, well, what's, what's, you know, a fair price for this? Is it less than nine times forward earnings? Or maybe is it 12? Or is it 15? So then if you take that 11 bucks, say, in 2016, and you put a multiple on it of 12, you can get a pretty good idea how much upside opportunity there could be for this company. And that's just if they can hold on to the market share that they have now. It doesn't have anything to do with, you know, the other efforts to try and expand into other indications. Yeah, this, this is a company with a very deep pipeline. Um, so moving on to another stock that we thought sounded pretty promising and kind of cheap is Pfizer. Pfizer is a favorite company for stocks for, for investors to have disliked since 2012 because they had lost uh, patent protection on their $13 billion mega blockbuster Lipitor, a cholesterol-busting drug. And obviously, if you lose... Uh, patent protection on a, on a uh, drug that's generating that much of uh, of your revenue, uh, it's going to be pretty hard to replace it. Um, you now fast forward, though, a few years, and it could be that the corner is going to turn for this company. And if it does, then paying less than 14 times uh, forward earnings to buy this stock may make a lot of sense. Yeah, this to me remains a long-term investing story, which everything that we recommend on the show is a long-term sort of uh, situation where you you should buy and hold for at least five plus years. But for me, especially Pfizer, this is not a company that is going to see a ton of growth in the next year, I I wouldn't say, but it pays a really solid dividend, 3.75%. It because of that, attracts a lot of long-term investors, which will kind of reduce your volatility a little bit. And meanwhile, they've got a lot of irons in the fire. They've got Ibrance, which is their breast cancer drug. That should hit blockbuster status sometime in 2016. Um, the recent Hospira acquisition to get into biosimilars, that should be an enormous market and kind of combat the threat that the company is experiencing from other competing biosimilar companies. Um, Eloquist, the next generation blood thinner, just really a lot of things that could go well for this company, but it is going to take some time for them to really start to see more growth. Yeah, this is one that you maybe you sock away this Christmas and next Christmas. You know, who who knows? But I, I think that you know a lot of people are just are extrapolating the weakness that they've suffered the last few years continuously out into the future. And if this company can return to mid single digit growth in 2016 and then build upon that as we move further into the year uh, and expectations for 2017 start getting priced in, I I don't see a reason why you can't um, have this stock trade nicely higher for investors. So we mentioned biosimilars a little bit. As a refresher, that's basically the generic equivalent of a biologic drug, uh, which is what a lot of drugs that are coming off patent soon um, are uh, this form of drug. It's a, a biologic. It's a little bit more difficult to develop, and so making a generic version has not been quite as easy. But this looks like it's going to be a huge market going forward, and that's where the next stock that we wanted to talk about comes in. Yeah. The last stock I think that we'll probably get a chat about today is, uh, well, maybe we'll throw one more in depending on if we have time, but is Mylan Labs. And, you know, Mylan is a really intriguing company because its shares got really beat up this past year. 
um, over its plans to try and buy a competitor, Perigo. Um, that deal has fallen through. They tried to do a hostile attempt to buy the company. Uh, they did not get the, the number of votes that they needed to make that happen. So now Mylan's board is looking at it and saying, okay, we need to get back to the business at hand, which is building up our uh, market share in generic drugs. Um, you know, generic drugs are more than 80% of all drugs that are prescribed now are generics. And we have a longer living, older population and their demand for, you know, drugs going forward is not going down, it's going up. So most, by most accounts, you know, you look at that and you say, okay, where, what does that mean for demand for generic drug makers like Mylan? It's a, it's a tailwind. It's a big tailwind. You know, IMS... Uh, is a healthcare research company. They track the industry. They think that spending globally on drugs could go could increase by 30% to what is it? 1.4 trillion dollars by 2020. Um, that's an additional 350 billion or so uh, between 2015 and 2020 that's going to be spent on drugs, and a heck of a lot of that is going to end up uh, being spent on generics. Yeah, you've already seen a huge boom in generic drugs because the mid '90s were this big time for generic small mo- or, sorry small molecule drug development. So over the last six years or so, that's really when all those patents have started to expire. Um, 2012 was the peak of that. Uh, you saw 53 billion in branded drugs lose patent in that year. It's absolutely still hitting now. But going forward, when you turn over to the biologic drugs. It's expected that in the next five years, $100 billion in biologics revenue is going to lose patent. So you look at what's happened already the past five, ten years in the boom of generic drugs, and then you add into that the biosimilar market, and it looks like it could be really, really savvy to buy a company like Myelin. There are hundreds of drugs that are biologics on the market that will lose patent protection. There are hundreds more under development now that will be coming to the market over the course of the next decade that will eventually lose patent protection. These are expensive drugs, they're hard to manufacture, and most people believe that the profit margins that generic drug makers will get from selling these drugs is going to be bigger than what they've collected historically in uh, from small molecule generic uh, medicines. So there is an opportunity here that's pretty big and I think that if investors take any one takeaway away from, uh, you know, the stocking stuffer um, uh, episode is that, you know, this could be a trend that you want to pay attention to because it could have multi-decade long legs uh, for the industry. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Todd. Hopefully Santa is out there among our listeners so that he knows exactly what we're looking for in our stockings. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays.